You are Locked On Blue Jays, your daily podcast on the Toronto Blue Jays, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Blue Jays fans. Welcome to this special 100th episode edition of Locked On Blue Jays, your daily dose of Toronto Blue Jays talk directly into your headphones that are hopefully working properly in conjunction with your computer, because mine don't. But... Again, this isn't about me. This is about the guest of honor for our 100th episode. And she is a person who is very well known to Blue Jays fans from her time in the MLB fan cave and from her time as the digital marketing manager of the Toronto Blue Jays, which is a far more impressive title than I have ever held in my life. And I am very thankful that she has taken time out of a game where Kendris Morales could be setting a record to join me on this podcast tonight. Uh, April Witzman is on the program. April, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me. Well, thanks for having me. Number number 100. I feel pretty honored. So, yeah. I, I've never gotten to anything in triple digits before. Not pop a shot. <laughs> <laughs> and we're doing this together. We're doing this. There we <laughs> I, go. I appreciate you helping me through this momentous occasion. I, <laughs> I can't even take full credit. I wasn't even on for all 100. But the, the podcast <laughs> is 100. That's what matters. We're, we're here to celebrate that. And I'm, again, very thankful that you are joining me for this. Well, I'm glad to be here, and any time to talk about baseball is a good day in my book. So we've got the game on TV, we're talking Blue Jays baseball, let, let, let's chat. That's awesome. That's what I want to hear, April. So I, actually, I, I did want to get started with your experiences with baseball in general. Um, you are a Blue Jays fan. What was your earliest memory with the Blue Jays? Oh, with the Blue Jays. So here's a little tidbit. I actually grew up a diehard Expos fan. Uh, so, that's, that's, fair. Um, that's fair. Yeah. That's okay, right? I mean, yeah. that's allowed because they're not here. So <laughs> we'll, we'll roll with it. But, uh, yeah, I grew up out east. I, I'm from New Brunswick. Baseball was that first thing that really connected my father and I. Uh, then I played baseball. I was the only girl on the guys' baseball team. I remember at like five or six years old, sitting on the couch when Joe Carter hit the home run. Didn't really realize the significance of it then, but, uh, you know, Jose Bautista to back with kind of was that for me recently. So, but yeah, that was, baseball was like that pure joy, that, that pure way of connection. And as I got older and, and less able to uh, hit the fastballs of the dudes, I really developed a passion for watching it and really understanding it. And when social media arose, social media became another way of connection. And I started to develop this connection of net or network of other baseball fans, of crazy baseball fans like me. So it was, again, that connection, that fandom. I wasn't alone. And, and through and through, I've met so many wonderful people, yourself included. Here I am on your podcast. So, yeah, no, it, it's been a whirlwind. Uh, you know, that was how it started. And, and, and I wrote in my high school yearbook that I was going to work one day for the Blue Jays. And sure enough, I did it. It was a windy, windy, windy road. Uh, but I did it. That is awesome. And 
I'm not gonna hold New Brunswick against you. I, <laughs> Thank you. I'm I'm from Nova Scotia, so Okay, alright. You know See, that's okay. Cro- you you we should be friends. <laughs> you should hold it against me. No these coaches gotta stick together. I know, I know, but I may have made one too many jokes about Potato World to to fully <laughs> <laughs> I deserve that. It's okay. I deserve that. It's all right. Hey, I'm I'm from a place where the attraction is. Let's go see the ocean rise and fall over twelve hours. So I I can't say much. But, um, no, but out east there wasn't. I, I don't think like when you and I were growing up. In my opinion, you know, you go out east now and everybody's wearing a blue jays cap. Growing up, I I, I feel like there was fans, but again. Maybe because I was younger, I didn't think that there was that national identity, and maybe that had something to do with, like, half of us were Expo fans, the other half were Blue Jays fans, but most of us were watching hockey. Like, I don't mm. really know what changed, but but all of a sudden, baseball is this, this wonderful thing that kind of unites so many people, and, you know, I've been blessed to build a brand based on the fact that I was an East Coaster or a woman or just a, a passionate fan, maybe all three of those things. Um, you know, and, and it's just been so wonderful to see. And like now, you spend a day on Blue Jays Twitter, and everybody's supporting everyone. Again, there's still there's still going to be that negativity, but like it really is a supportive space where everybody can kind of like communicate. In a losing season, you kind of have one thing to look forward to. You know, checking out your timeline and connecting with other like-minded fans. Hmm. One one hundred percent. I I've said before that that Blue Jays Twitter is often the saving grace of being a Blue Jays fan in a season like this. And and I couldn't agree with you more about all the great people, all the great fans that have become a part of this. And like I I know how it is. Like I I didn't see a lot of Expos hats growing up, but I did see Red Sox hats. And mm-hmm. I yes. I Definitely. don't know if that's, yeah, or Yankees hats, and I don't know if that's because of the whole front-running thing, like, I want a winner, not Russ Adams. But I I do believe that the Blue Jays have become a bit more unifying and, and have become, like, the country's team. And, you know, any chance the country has to stick it to the Americans is always great. <laughs> so... No, for sure. I mean... For that reason, I wish uh, we were doing a little better in the standings, but but definitely, I think you know my father was grew up a Yankees fan, but don't worry, he's not a Yankees fan anymore. But you know, you kind of just you get raised on a specific you know team, and that was the team that was popular. You know, of a different generation, there wasn't you know there wasn't so many teams until later on, and and yeah, out east especially, you do see the Red Sox caps. You go a little more central, you see the Yankees caps. And, and that's okay. You know, like for me, um, I learned specifically when I was with the Blue Jays that all you care about is that fans are passionate. Because the worst thing is, you know, I used to, there was days, and I'll be honest with you, Ryan, anybody else is listening, there were days that I had at the Blue Jays that were very, very tough we would plan this big marketing campaign or we'd have a really tough game no matter what the situation was. And for good reason, fans showed their passion and at times it was negative. And, you know, maybe I took some of it too much to heart, but sometimes fans don't realize that the person or people running the at Blue Jays account is actually a person <laughs> reading all your tweets. Um, you know, I got told to go count myself quite a few times or 
be accounted. Um, and so you go home sometimes just feeling pretty devastated. And as a fan, maybe I, it hit me a little bit more because I also wanted the team to do well. But what my VP told me, and it was very, very interesting, is that we would, they would rather have these fans that are feeling negative because at least they're passionate about it. If they're not feeling good about it, at least they care and they're not dormant. And it's great. They will let you know. And when it's bad, they will let you know that the team is at a good situation where they can get a good feel of, of what the fans are feeling. And, and I think they've been doing a better job of listening to what the fans are feeling. And I think that makes us happy as we're fans as well. True. Like I said, this is the first season where I've had like a full dive into Blue Jays Twitter. Like I, I was like a Twitter user before, but this is the first time I've really gone into it. And I, I have seen both sides of it. You will have the fans that support the team through thick and thin, and then the t- and then the fans who are. Morales is so bad. Ah. Sorry. It's all right. It's all right. That's an that's an important update, and it it is something we were worried about heading into this game that he would be pressing too hard to try and get that record and and would strike out. But it it is what it is. He he tied Kevin Mench. That's the important thing. Of course. But no, that's that's an interesting question because you did have a very high profile mantle on Twitter there as the at Blue Jays person and. Mm. Did were you able to balance like being being that huge fan of the team and and trying to be professional and how you were conducting yourself on Twitter? And- yeah, I mean the the biggest thing for me, well, for one, that they, they told me to kind of lay low as as me as me and the cat as the cat. So like I was very blessed to have a good presence online, especially when Twitter first came out. I was like, oh, I'm, I just did marketing PR. I'm going to grab Twitter. And then I was like, I like the Blue Jays, so I'm going to tweet about the Blue Jays, and that's all I'm going to do. And because of that, I developed the brand pretty early on. So, like, we're talking, like, 2012 or 2011, like, right when Twitter came out. Here I am tweeting the Blue Jays, yada, yada, yada. And there was a good core of us, maybe, like, let's say 10 people, a lot of which I still communicate with today and are still present online as well. But, um, you know, the biggest thing I wanted to do was I was lucky to have the Blue Jays know who I was. So, you know, whether it was me going into the fan cave or me, you know, just tweeting myself uh, at a Blue Jays game traveling from, at the time, Halifax, so you'd respect that, they would respond to me. They would say, hi, April. They would call me their most valuable tweeter. They would they would tweet me when I was in the fan cave saying, go bowling. They would say a lot of things. They would communicate with me. But I was one person amongst probably, let's say, 600,000 people, 800,000 people at the time early on. And I was one of a few people that the Blue Jays were tweeting to. So, Ryan, when I first got on the job, my biggest thing was to ensure that our social media was two-way communicational. They love their fans. The fans are what drive, it was what drives the organization. And so my first day, they gave me the passwords. What was I doing? Responding. Mm. Responding to everything. Responding to people. The people that were great, the people that were awesome, they were getting responded to. And all of a sudden, I could just feel a change, feel a sense. Now, there was good and the bad. The bad was that the most, I got two common responses, two of which frustrated me a little bit. One was, 
oh, the Blue Jays got a new intern. Um, for one, nobody knows how much work it is to run a, a professional account, whether that's a sports account or a big brand. It is not an intern. It involves so much strategy, more than anybody not in, in, in professional marketing or sports marketing would ever understand. And two, the other common response I got was they hired a new Twitter guy. And again, I get it. Sometimes that's just, you know, lingo. But, but I'm, I, you know, I talked about this the other day at the, the woman in sports event. Women have a quite a prominent role in sports nowadays. Fifty-one percent of women are running NFL sports teams accounts, but yet the most common response I was getting was again, "Oh, they got a new intern," or "Here's a new Twitter guy." And I wanted to be like, "Listen, poopheads, I'm neither, and I'm here to make a difference." So, um, yeah, that was that was that. Does that answer your question? I kind of ran it there, right? You gotta cut me off if you have to. It, it it does answer my question. I appreciate you keeping it PG thirteen. <laughs> Very important here on the Locked On Blue Chase podcast. Hi, folks. Ryan here. Just want to let you know that if you're not already checking out the Locked On Podcast Network, it's got everything you need. And in this important time for fantasy football. Locked On is delivering. There's a brand new football fantasy show called Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7. It's everything you're going to need to ace your draft this year. I've been checking out. I've I've got a couple drafts coming up that I need help for. And Fantasy Football 24-7 will give you the latest trends, the hot roster moves, and where to find the edge that will help you defeat your opponents. Plus, they have Ethan Turner, who's the injury expert. He'll give you the edge on who to start, who to sit, who's going to play, who's going to be out of it. So be sure to check on Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7. It is here to help you win your league. And you want to do that. (laughs) We are talking with April Witzman, the former holder of at Blue Jays, a former digital marketing manager of the team. And before that last break, you brought up the She's for Sports event that you attended with uh, Dana Bookman and Nikki Hoffman and uh, Alexis Brudnicki. And I, I was excited to talk to you after that because I saw that. And, you know, being in Nova Scotia, I, I can't exactly go. But I, my sources tell me that it was an excellent event and that you were excellent. And, and <laughs> they lied. <laughs> all right, you 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 have to tell Leslie to her face that she's lying. So, oh oh oh! I, well, I love Leslie, so I can't do that. So yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> I. I I did want to to get your opinion on that. And you kind of went into it before Mm -hmm. the break. But how important are events like that um, for for not just women in baseball, but for baseball fans in general to try and and try and build that that bridge where it's not just, oh, here's a here's a Twitter guy talking about the Blue Mm -hmm. Jays. Yeah, I mean, I I would welcome you um, when the women in sports podcast comes out in its entirety because I don't want to encapsulate everything. I don't think I can encapsulate everyone's thoughts. There were so many opposing views from, um, you know, my thought is that it's still difficult. There's still these idiosyncrasies or, you know, these ideas that it's not that people don't think women belong in sports. It's, again, those those naive, innate 
feeling that when a brand changes its persona, then it's a Twitter guy, right? Mm. Um, Alexis spoke very passionately about how there's not enough change. And whereas Nikki spoke very passionately about how change is coming, it can't happen overnight, and mm. she spoke about her being the second uh, woman trainer in the majors and how she spoke about the difficulties that that brought in terms of when they're walking in the clubhouse, you know, they, they stop her and tell her that the family section is over there or ask her profusely for her badges or IDs. It's that, it's that understanding that it's still not seen on equal terms. It's, you know, there were times where innately I was thinking, you know, what do the players think of me being here, whereas I'm just a fan, I'm just doing my job, I have nothing but respect for these guys, I'm not oogling over them, um, but you just never know. And so it's still a difficult path. The one thing that all four of us reiterated is that it's important, you know, as, as a woman, as a person of color, as even anybody, you have to just make your own path. And that's even the case for any gender, any race, any ethnicity. Um, nowadays, it's hard to get into sports. Um, very, very, very hard. Um, you have to be the best of the best. And unfortunately, as a woman, sometimes that's not even enough. So my path is a crazy path. So for those who don't know, uh, again, I grew up out east, did eight years of school, had about $75,000 in debt. Um, and I told my parents I was going to move to London, Ontario, at that point Halifax, Nova Scotia, to go work for a baseball team, unpaid, uh, unpaid for the summer. Mm. And uh, I spent that whole summer, or not even the whole summer, we didn't have a liquor license, so the team didn't even make it to the season. Oh, and no. the best part about that, oh yeah, the best part about it is that I spent as much time learning about marketing PR as a marketing PR intern as I did inside the smelliest dog mascot costume. Oh, no. I spent half the summer in there. Oh, no. And so, I, yeah, no, it was, it's crazy. I grounded it out. I stayed over. We, we did everything. As interns, then, we did absolutely everything. And that's why I mentioned, you know, the mascots, the photography, the social media. Uh, there were a few of us interns, and we did everything we could to try to keep it running. Again, we didn't have a liquor license, so we didn't last. And then I thought that was it. I thought, hey, I gave this a fair shot. All dead aside, I still moved to London and tried this. I tried to work for a baseball team. I ended up being a smelly mascot, and it was very hard to lift those 45-pound kids. And <laughs> then I signed the over. And then fast forward to 2013, the Major League Baseball, I was hosting this MLB fan cave thing. And, you know, you mentioned some people know what that was, but the, the, the simplicity of that, it was that it was, a online reality TV show where they invited, <clears throat> it started with 30 people uh, from across North America to be part of this, you know, reality TV show. And the concept was that it would go from 30 to 15 to 9, and the 9 of us would move to New York and live in this, what was called the MLB fan cave, even though it was a house and not a cave, and we would watch every single game on the season. And Ryan, do you know how many games that is? That's a what, lot. Can you, can you, can you 2,469 games. Because that was also the year that it went extra, we had the most extra inning games. <laughs> we couldn't miss an inning. So you have to remember, we're in New York. 
Those games, you know when the San Diego Padres want to go extra innings? Well, that's oh. 2 in the morning because that's the West Coast. I, there were I many that nights pain. that we only got to bed at 3.30. It was a crazy, crazy ordeal. But I was blessed. I made it top 30. I made it top 15. I made it top 9. And as the only Canadian to move to New York, I was then moving away from my home, moving away. What My parents are thinking, what in dear goodness have, has my, is my daughter doing? <laughs> and I did it. And I thought, I, you know what, I, I finished top three, and I, I made such tremendous friends, and we made this, these amazing skits with, with Jose Bautista and Edwin and J.P. and CBN. and I, you know, I, I made really good connections with some really amazing people and players. But I came back from that, and I was like, you know what, I just worked for Major League Baseball. I'm going to go get a job with the Blue Jays. And no, that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. I sent my resume to multiple people. I didn't hear boo. And I'm thinking, what do I need to do to work for this team? This is my ambition. And I, I just started honing in on my skills. I tried. I started developing, developing my brand even more. I started trying to get better at marketing. I got a job, and I started as a marketing assistant. I was like, this is what I want to do at this startup. I worked my way up, worked my way up to the director of marketing. And when I'm super happy at my job where I was, sure enough, I look a posting, find a posting, the team is looking for a digital marketing manager. Holy boys! And then I go, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I kind of like, I kind of enjoyed being a fan. I had season tickets. I was like, do I want to do this? And everybody in my life said, you know what? You're going to regret it if you don't. And so I applied. And goodness gracious, the Jays are such an incredible organization. But my goodness, their energy process. It must have been 12 interviews. It must have taken three or four months agonizing, do I want this, am I going to do this, am I going to get it, what's going to happen, and sure enough, they called, and I remember when my former VP called me and said, hey, we're giving you the job, I just couldn't believe it, I was like, this is everything I want, now again, then I go and do it, and and the reality of this is that I have never felt more blessed, having said I have done it, but the reality that I'd like to warn people, women, men, anybody, the grind is real. I started 8 a.m., I finished midnight. I mean, the social media gig is different than some, but it was the most grueling thing you've ever been put through. 2016 wasn't so bad. I started later in the season. We made the wild card. Edwin hit the big clutch home run, and we sailed through Texas. Life is good. The Blue Jays' Twitter is happy. Creating content is easy because we're winning, but then 2017 came. <laughs> and it becomes a little bit harder, and you're like, okay, let's do a marketing campaign. You, you throw out a hashtag, let's rise, and boom, 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 things do not go as anticipated. And then the season doesn't go as anticipated, and then some players don't go as anticipated, and you just can't account for everything. And I had a lot of leadership that supported me and helped me, but unfortunately at the end of the 2017 season, a lot of, move, a lot of changes were made, and unfortunately I was, I was laid off amongst others. And I remember going, thinking at the time, I did all of this, and now it's over. And the thing is, is that, you know what? I did it. I did it. You know, like, it was a whirlwind, and I learned so much, and... But it was a grind, and you know what? I'm I've settled in at an organization called Rover that actually works with sports teams, and I couldn't be happier. I couldn't be happier for what I learned at the Blue Jays, but I also couldn't be happier to be a fan again and just myself. So mm. that was a long way to say that no matter what, if this is what you want, you can make it happen. 
I went around in circles. I got blessed with some opportunities that others may not get, but everybody has to create their own path. And I think that's something that was reiterated over and over again. I think the only thing I would say is that you really have to want it. You have to crave it. You have to, like, feel it in your toes. And unless you've got that passion, other people will will, will have it. So, um, yeah, that's, that's my answer to that. That That is very very important answer and i i think i'm i'm trying to find my place now i <laughs> i was just sit, i was just sitting back and taking in the roller coaster there just, i and, and i could i could hear the east coast coming out in you as, as you were telling that story so well uh my left parking my car parking a lot of no, I um, I, I'm not sure if I can follow that properly, but I, <laughs> I, I did wanna wanna ask, um, because baseball seems to have this issue with getting more women, more people of color, more LBGTQ people involved in this game. How how can baseball? which is a sport that can be so beautiful in its simplicity, attract more people outside that typical old white male dude who's just sitting there mm-hmm. picking popcorn off his guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have a specific answer to that, but it just starts with education, education from all sides. I like how, how Nikki said, you know, I'm not the, I don't want to be the token female. I want to be the person that puts her head down, gets the job done, and does her job the best. And I think in doing that, we respect her for it. Now, you know, when, you know, our nieces or our daughters or our, our, our young women that are watching the Blue Jays game with us, they can look into the dugout and say, hey, she's in the dugout. I can do that, too. Growing up, I didn't have that. I was I was the girl on the guys' baseball team thinking that, you know, I had to beat Joe Carter, and I didn't really have that, that idol. Likewise, you know, we need to have more professional athletes, you know, maybe coming out. If, if You know, Adam Jones doesn't profess to be the, the token African-American gentleman. He, he just becomes a he's a great player and a great and a great person and we respect him all the all the more for that so i think it really just comes down to education uh from both sides i don't think that mlb needs to force it you know it's it's nice that they're having specific nights and and re and trying to connect with specific groups or audiences but it really comes down to education and they need to find a way to make it authentic because when it's not then it just seems forced, and people won't, won't connect. Yeah, no, I I do agree with you on that, and that that kind of leads into my my other question as it relates to this this culture, I guess, of baseball. Because the biggest thing on social media has been, you know, catching players essentially, um, digging up tweets from their past where they mm-hmm. are acting, you know, homophobic and misogynistic and and it's been like it's been a game almost for fans to because mm-hmm. it started with josh Hader at the all-star break and then you had mm-hmm. sean newcomb trey turner michael kopech um daniel murphy uh jd martinez was a was the most recent <laughs> yeah one, today which, yeah with the hitler stuff yeah, yeah you know he, it, it boggles my mind so here's the deal 
I live and breathe social. Y'all didn't know that by now. And and when even even if I go back to when I was running, you know, helping the Blue Jays run their social media accounts, I was looking at every single thing that any player posted, mostly because I wanted to share some like awesome, engaging content and find ways to create an innovative content. But there wasn't a thing that went out that we didn't like scope or check out or like send it around and make sure it was okay. And it boggles my mind that. Um, that at least the PR teams of certain players or of teams aren't doing a super search on what's going on and what's out there. Obviously, you don't want to, like, tell players what they can and can't, but there are some exceptions, as we've seen, you know, like, those things shouldn't happen, and and it's hard, you know, what are they going to say, you know, there's only so many things they can say, they can apologize, try to make it sincere, but, like, what's done is almost done, um, but, yeah, I think it's twofold. I think it's one comes down to players not being dum-dums, and mm. two, it comes down to whether it's their personal PR teams or, like, when they're getting posted, let's make it a game where we're going to go through every post we've ever posted. Um, I think at times they look at their tweets but not their tweets and replies, and fans have gotten pretty smart lately to go through those as well. So mm. um, it's just dumb to me. It's just really, really dumb. I think maybe, you know, obviously I'm in it more than most, but, like, your brand is your brand. You know, unfortunately I went through um, the Kevin Pillar incident, Mm. and uh, when that happened, um, you know, my team and I had to come up, you know, meet with Kevin. We had to come up with messaging both from the Blue Jays account and help help Kevin create his, his, he wanted to be heartfelt, he wanted to, you know, explain, explain what happened and kind of explain, you know, what happened in the best way he could, even though, you know, and the biggest thing we we had to reiterate was that, you know, it's no longer about you, which it seems that Kevin now understands, and I think he's grown a lot in the last Mm. year, but even if you look at his first interview afterwards, he's like, oh, my family has been so, you know, traumatized, and I've lost sponsors, and it's not about you, and I think players, and I'm not trying to generalize, but, you know, they've grown up kind of secluded in their own little world, kind of oftentimes getting a lot of what they want. Not all, not all the time, but, like, these guys are the best of the best, and sometimes they're not used to understanding how words can affect it on the other side. And so it's nice to see Kevin, you know, grow, and I think he's a really good speaker, and I really hope that he continues to be a good role model for others because I know it was shaky there a little bit, well, in 2017. But others, the same thing, you know. It it seems, you know, the more Josh speaks about it, Josh Hader speaks about it, the more he seems to grow from it too. I get it that, like, kids are dumb, but it's one thing being dumb and it's another thing being ignorant. So um, it's just tough. I think people can be better all around. I think people can be better people. And I think, again, education and also PR teams going to do their job as well. Yeah. And, and I, I will say that I, I think Kevin Pillar set the gold standard for how to show growth from that sort of thing and how to learn, essentially. And I, I thought Trey Turner had a very good apology, I, I guess, as well. Mm-hmm. He probably set, mm-hmm. set the bar mm-hmm. for the new group. And what what he said coming up, like you said, not making it so, about themselves. That's all that can be done. I think you're kind of you're kind of stuck, right? You don't know really what to say. Uh, did a really good job, and Pilar has really grown a lot as well. Hmm. And that that's very important for you know, and for all fans of the Blue Jays to be able to see that. 
Hey y'all, Ryan again, and just want to let you know that once you got your fantasy lineups all figured out, check into Locked On NFL because this season it is becoming the Locked On NFL of experts. Matt Williamson is hosting five days a week, and he has a brand new lineup for this season. Every Monday, he's going to have local experts that cover every NFL team. He's going to have them on to talk about the biggest stories of that week, and then he has amazing guests coming up during the week on Tuesdays. Former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels is going to be on. On Wednesdays, he's got Mike Renner, the number head from Pro Football Focus. And then on Thursdays, Mike Sando of ESPN is going to be on every week to discuss the topics that you need to know about in regards to the NFL. So be sure to follow Locked on NFL on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, and get this amazing content directly into your headspace. We are talking with former digital marketing manager of the Blue Jays, April Witzman, who, again, is just being all class and willing to scum it up with me and, and join me and, and just revert full East Coast. Um, I, I promise we're, we're going to go we're going to go easy. We're in the we're in the latter third of the podcast, so we're going to go easy. From OK, here on out. all right. It's, it's getting okay. later on. We're, we're dealing with the, the tragedy of Kendris not hitting a home run. So And the Blue Jays losing. Yeah. Like, and getting shut out by the Orioles. Yeah. So you got to give me an easy one here. <laughs> well, if, if you were running the Blue Jays account, what would be your big focus for this <laughs> season? And, and, and it can't be Vlad. <sighs> yeah, I know, but... No, this is the hardest oh, man. one. You this can't do one. that to me. Like, here's the deal. So I'm gonna be honest with you because you're like my East Coast buddy here. Aww. I was a little sad that I was gone, and when the Jays started 14 and three, I was a little bitter. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not gonna watch the games. I'm gonna. Be- I haven't missed a game first of all. So the BS that I wasn't gonna watch a game ended up being not true. Um, but. I was like, man, they're good. What the heck? But I think, you know, there's not one. I think I think the, the team and, and some of the people that I still know from, from my time there are doing a good job engaging. I don't know if there's one thing I would do. I think, you know, I hate, I think they can still be a little more digital savvy. I think the team, and I mean this in the most utmost respect, still plays it a little safe. I think the people that are running the account are doing a good job with GIFs. I think they're doing a good job engaging with fans. But I still think more can be done. I don't need them to be the Cubs or the Indians. I don't need them to be change their tone or persona completely because that's not the Canadian way. But what I think is missing, and, it, and working with NFL teams at Rover, I'm seeing it more and more, is that there's a lot more that can be done. Whether well, While I was there, I think that one of the biggest obstacles was how much interaction we had with players. And so I feel that some teams, you know, you look at the Cubs, the little Yavi bed, and they have, they have a lot of interaction with their players. The, the Braves did a really good schedule release video where, like, Anthopolis was in it and the players are in it. And it just seems like that ability to connect with the players is a lot more. Whereas nowadays, I will say that I think Blue Jays fans, more than others, 
and I won't say more than most, but more than some teams, are more so fans of the players versus fans of the team. And so, you know, there's these diehard Strowman fans, there's the Donaldson fans, or whatever the case may be. And I think the team could do a better job at harnessing harnessing that and really pushing the envelope on digital. They have one of the most strongest fan bases in all of North America. This is Canada's team, and I think they could play to that. I think they could try to take a few more chances, and some of that is due to resourcing, uh, and some maybe just maybe that's not on brand. I think that was my biggest obstacle there is because I wanted to come in and be like, well, I'm just going to try all this stuff because it worked on my own Twitter, um, but that's not how things work. So I would say to them that they're doing a good job. I really like the new gym. I know um, they hired a few more people, and I think the communication is strong. But I would put, I would urge them to keep trying to push that envelope. Excellent. Now, I, I swear that's the last one. That was the last time <laughs> question. Okay. But, but in honor of the original creator of the Locked On Blue Jays podcast, my, my, my podcast mentor, if you will, uh, one Sean Doyle, uh-huh. um, also Nova Scotian, yeah, no, I love him. <laughs> he is excellent, and I'm so thankful for him being being my mentor, so to speak, and getting me involved in the podcast world because you know he opened up my eyes. That that's my that's my hundredth episode gift to Sean, admitting all that. So he he does. Sean, did you hear that? <laughs> he'll he'll hear it. I'll point it out to him. But yes. he does a segment in his interviews that's uh, rapid fire where he, he rapid oh, fires gosh. questions about, you know, general. You said the hard part was over. Well, well, no, I didn't say I was doing that. I have adapted it slightly. Oh, okay. So it's, okay. Not, All right. it's, it's okay. not rapid fire, but this is the first Locked On Blue Jays installment of Life's Tough Questions. But, and that's just the title. That's just the working title. We can totally change it. I know. You just said there was no more tough question than you called. There, there's, there's five. There's, like tough question. There's five questions. Okay. All right. Let's do it. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I, got, right. I took it all on and I'm ready. All right. If you were Major League Baseball Commissioner for one day, what would you do with this newfound power? Anything you want. Oh. There's so many things that you can't... That's a tough question. All right, first thing. First thing you would do. Uh, Universal DH. Universal DH. So NL has to adapt. Yes. I I like it. That means more job opportunities for the Travis Hafners of the world. We can trade Morales. (laughs) That too. That too. (laughs) That opens up that trade market. Um... (laughs) If you did make it to the major leagues and you were coming up to bat, what song would you have Tim Langston play as you were coming up to bat? Uh, uh, hey, Batter, Batter by Trace Adkins. Ooh, interesting country. Justin Smoke <laughs> would be proud. He would. He would. He's my homeboy. He would, he would approve of that. <laughs> Excellent. Um... You have a $20 bill, and you are starving. And there's a street with every single restaurant you can imagine on it. In Truro, this is called Roby Street. 
<laughs> Where do you go with that $20 bill and what do you get for dinner? Oh, man. Um, oh, I just want cotton candy. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to eat cotton candy for dinner and I'm going to eat it at the dome. Oh, nice. $20 worth of cotton candy is... And I will add an ice cream and a cup. <laughs> get, get and maybe a, pop, a bucket of popcorn, but I'm pretty sure I spent my 20 bucks already. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's all right. At the Dome, yeah, that's that's what? That's 30? <laughs> I initially wrote 30, so you're fine. We'll, we'll, we'll okay, good. You. Yeah, I'm in there under 30 then. All right. <laughs> when was the last time you've been back to Nova Scotia? And... If if you instantly were transported to Nova Scotia, where would you go to first? Ooh, okay, so I was in Nova Scotia three years ago, and I would go to any of the bars to get an Alexander Keys. <laughs> that is a very on-brand response. <laughs> I mean, I, I go back to New Brunswick a few times, but, like, there's really nothing to do in New Brunswick besides, like, hold my parents' yard sale, so that's less cool, so. <laughs> put that on the tourism pamphlet. Yeah, no, I don't think that needs to be put on the spot, but there you go. No, I, I will say, I, um... Friends of ours recently visited on Monday, and so I went to mm-hmm. the Keys Brewery for the first time on Monday. And for the first time? I That's okay. A, I haven't been. I could have gotten I elsewhere. Team Whistle Brewery, and it's literally like a three-minute walk outside my condo. <laughs> so, yeah, life works in mysterious ways. I went up to CN Tower for the first time a few weeks ago, and I'm like, "Wow, I'm a pure Torontonian now." Uh, um, but yeah. I, I can't go up there. The, the heights. No. Are, no. It's really not bad. You'd be surprised. Uh, I I deal with heights enough in life. Uh, being being tall sucks. Um, uh, I don't have that problem. That that is fair enough. Um, all right, last one. If you can have ten minutes, okay, with any person, living or dead, mm. to pick their brain about whatever you mm. want to pick their brain about. Who would you pick? Mm. Mm. Larry Walker. Like he was this. like my first first baseball fan. Again, <laughs> my dad's the most passionate Expos fan that ever existed. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably go Larry. I was going to say Alex Rios, even though we, we didn't have to stay on brand with the baseball. <laughs> but I found out, like, I think maybe he was just nice in my head. Uh, I think maybe he wasn't a nice person, and I'm kind of sad about that. I made my parents drive a Kia Rio 5 because I was really obsessed about <laughs> Rios. Um, and I'm only half ashamed about that since I actually told you. So, But, yeah, so we'll, we'll just stick with the Canadian former mm. expo and, and hope he makes it to the Hall of Fame. And then maybe, who knows, my cross, my path, our path will cross one day, and I'll be like... You are my favorite, and you are my dad's favorite. I think he's just a knowledgeable guy, like a good old Canadian that seemed like a good dude, too. Yeah. True True. say, I I did have the Rockies as my National League team because Larry yeah, was on it. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 was, I just missed his Expos day, so when I started getting into baseball, uh, like he was on the Rockies. Yeah. So. 
So that that's why I went with them. Plus, they were on the other side of the continent, so I could be Blue Jays right. and Rockies and still kind of get away with it. But <laughs> Bill, like, how much did, was it awful, like, being any sort of baseball fan on the East Coast? Because, like, people complain, oh, the game ended at 10. Well, that's 11 yeah. back home. Yeah. Or, like, the West Coast games, they started at 11 o'clock at night. So, like, y'all can't complain. <laughs> yeah, trying to get my Diamondbacks on and waking up, like, like going to bed at 2.30. Like, and that, that's, yeah. what, that's yeah. if it's quick. No, no, I guess. That's if Robbie Ray doesn't walk everyone. But... <laughs> Uh, I it it's tough, but we manage. And and April, I'm so glad you came on to commiserate with me and and share this this experience of being an East Coast fan and sharing your knowledge with the Locked On Blue Jays fan base. I'm I'm pretty sure everyone who's listening to this already knows you very well. But can you tell the people who may not know you if if they stumble on this podcast where you can be found and where they can get more Blue Jays takes from you? Yeah, no, uh, if you stumbled, uh, we've just caught you. And if you want more rambling about baseball and uh, from me, you can find me on Twitter at AlleyCat17. And at the same time, you can stalk my cat, Jose Nyatista, who's much, 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 much cooler than I am. <laughs> uh, but we make a good pair. I, I can confirm. Um, <laughs> April's cat that is, is... cooler than me? I, All right. No, I was going to say, April, you're... <laughs> Your cat has far, far more important Blue Jays takes to dish out to the fan base than you or I. And, and, and I, I swear, if I can ever get Jasmine to get a hat on her head for long enough, she will have company. All right, perfect. My, my partner will not be pleased, but I will do it. Anyway, All right. April, thank you so much again for joining me, and, and thank you for helping me celebrate episode 100 of the Lockdown Blue Jays podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me on, and good luck with the next 100. It's a, it was an honor, and uh, I'm pretty sure I rambled a lot, but I appreciate everyone listening to. No, I, I appreciate you. It, it saved me a lot of talking, so that was good. I still have water. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Thanks again. I appreciate it. Thank you, April. Hey y'all, Ryan here. No ad this time, but I did want to close with a final statement on just reflecting on these first 100 episodes that I've been able to shoot for y'all. And yeah, this has been a big challenge, probably the biggest challenge of my sports writing career. I mean, like I was doing weekly podcasts before, I was on Jays from the Couch Radio before, but this wasn't like every day having to you know, plan a show, execute a show, edit a show, get the show out. It's been such an experience being able to do it for you all and and all the people that I've gotten to talk to and discuss baseball with because of this podcast, because y'all are reaching out on Twitter. I, I probably say this before, but I want to reiterate just how much it means to me and how much... I want to continue doing this for as long as possible for you you all. So, like I said, it won't end after 100. We will keep going and keep talking about whatever Blue Jays will come across our path from Russ Adams to Murphy Smith, who may get talked about later today. But, no, I just... 
again, I want to thank you all for coming along on this ride. Hopefully more people will join as we continue to move forward as the Blue Jays get better because they're they're going to get better. That's what I keep telling myself. Anyway, again, thank you all so much for listening to this feature-length episode. Thank you to April for coming on and, you know, just just being proper East Coast and letting two East Coasters just go at it. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at NeoAC18. That's NeoAC18. You can follow this podcast on Twitter at LockedOnJays. And... Follow Locked On MLB for MLB takes from across the spectrum. Thank you to Sean Doyle at Jays from Couch and at Doyle JFTC for helping me get this opportunity. It, it means a lot. And yeah, I look forward to talking with y'all on the Blue Jays for a while to come yet. The next hundred episodes are going to be very interesting. I feel I'm, I'm not sure what I'll do for 200, but by that point, you know, hopefully we'll figure something out. So for everyone here at the Locked On Podcast Network and Locked On Blue Jays, this is Ryan Andrews. Thank you all so much for listening to episode 100 and y'all take care. Bye.